Good morning, everyone. And welcome to worship with Paisley St George's. Welcome whether you're here in person or worshipping via the web or the telephone. This morning we will celebrate the sacrament of Holy Communion. If you're present with us, you should have received a little cup as you came in. And if you've not used one before, they're like the wee milk cartons and there's two layers to peel off. So they're a wee bit footery, but we can help one another out if we need to, I'm sure. If you're at home, then you may wish to ensure that you have some bread and wine to celebrate with. The intimations are in the order of service. There is a note of ice cream Sunday, which is on the last Sunday of the month. Okay, so that will run until 12.30 to include some food. November, a Christmas stall will be run by the children after morning service on the 27th of November. And again, the youth group come and try days, details to follow later. The friendly hour, it says in the intimations, will be joined by guest Margaret Linney. This will, however, be a beetle drive instead of Margaret Linney. So I'm sure you will all enjoy that. So that's the friendly hour at two o'clock on the 18th of October. Muriel, this, this, this Tuesday? This Tuesday is also the Connect Hub worship at the Outreach Centre at 1.30. Tea and coffee will be served there, which you can drink while you listen, while you sing, and enjoy with another cup of tea and coffee for a blether afterwards. So please come along and see what it's like. It's good. It's good to gather in a small group to worship. The Guild recommences tomorrow evening at 7.30pm in the large hall. Uh, our guests are Aina and myself. Aina, where are you? Oh, yeah. So, we'll meet with you tomorrow night. We're looking forward to it. Uh, the autumn tea, autumn leaves tea is tickets, £3 from Guild Committee members or pay at the door. You're more than happy to come along without a ticket. Please come along to that for a tea and a chat. And I have an intimation here that says a small group has been clearing out the outreach centre halls and have arranged for a lorry to come this Wednesday, the 19th of October, to take away what has been identified as surplus to requirements. So we're looking for help between 10am and about 11.30am to move bin bags, old carpets, etc. onto the lorry. If you can spare the time, please contact Hamish Sutherland after the service. Hamish is sitting up at the moment at the back of the church and is our session clerk. So a good way to get fit or to keep fit. Worship next Sunday will be led by Muriel Smith, one of our deputy session clerks and a trained worship leader. And the following Sunday, we welcome back John Spooner. These are all the intimations. God invites us to be here. He invites us to share. He invites us to journey. And he invites us to care. God invites us to leave behind all that binds us. Friends, fellow travellers, all who come here today and to connect online and on the telephone, companions in worship, let this be the time and place for praise, for fellowship, for contemplation, 
for listening, for silence. Let this be a crossing place where paths, human and divine, weave together. And just sometimes blessings come to those who persevere. Let us come and worship with heart and soul and open minds. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where will my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. We worship God by standing if able to sing Psalm 121, hymn number 81. I to the Lord will lift mine eyes. I to the hills will lift mine eyes, sorry. We'll lift them to the Lord as well, so it's fine. in prayer. Let's pray. God who is everywhere, always, we cannot comprehend your magnitude, so we simply worship your mystery. We cannot measure your compassion, so we simply bask in the warmth of your embrace. We cannot fathom the depths of your love, so we simply kneel at your feet and worship. May we who understand so little know clearly that you are all we need and that we are all you need for all the world to know your greatness. Fill us, O God, with desire to honour and serve you every day of our lives. We desire to serve you, to love you. We desire to follow in your footsteps and you gave us the simplest of rules. Jesus taught us your rules to love you with everything we have got and to love our neighbours as ourselves. But sometimes we get it wrong. Sometimes we forget your rules. 
Sometimes we deliberately break them. We get hurt and other people get hurt. We are sorry, God. Today is a new day. Wash us clean. Make us new. If we have hurt people, help us to say sorry and to start again. Help us, Lord, to walk with you today and every day. The psalmist tells us, your help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep you going out and your coming in from this time on and forevermore. Lord, in thanksgiving for what you have done and do for us, we have made our offerings as we arrived. And so hear us as we dedicate all our offerings. Living, loving God, as fuel bills and the cost of living rise, we give of what we have, money, time, skills, <laughs> gifts and talents, all for the flourishing of your church near and far and as a blessing for others. We seek the coming of your kingdom. So hear us now as we pray together using the words Jesus taught. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. <coughs> we turn now to scripture which will be read for us by Muriel, one of our deputy session marks. Our reading this morning is from Luke 18 verses 1 to 8 and it's the parable of the persistent widow. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what the people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says, and I will not bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night. Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Amen. And may God add his blessing to the reading this day. Thank you, Muriel. We continue in our worship by singing hymn 546. Prayer is the soul's sincere desire. Hymn 546. <clears throat>
You know, I read an interesting statement earlier this week, and it was this. It is usually a mistake to try to read too much into one of Jesus' parables. They are not complex religious allegories like Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress or C.S. Lewis's Narnia series. They are simple stories designed to illustrate a single point of teaching and to fix it in the hearers' minds. Jesus, we know, spoke simply. He used examples that were relevant to where he was at that time. He used his surroundings as his teaching aids. And this morning, we've listened to the story of the widow. The widow pleading repeatedly with the judge and the judge finally giving way and agreeing. As we might say, constant dripping wears away a stone. Does this mean if we keep nipping God's ear, we will get what we want? I don't think so. God answers prayers. God answers prayers in his way and in his time. It might help us to use perhaps a much, how much more comparison. If even a corrupt, uncaring judge will do the right thing out of irritation and self-interest, how much more will a righteous, compassionate God answer his people's prayers because justice matters to him as much as it does to them and because he wants the very best for them. Unfortunately, the parable which Muriel read for us doesn't entirely seem to take this line. For God's chosen ones are still expected to cry out to him day and night. And though they're promised that there will not be a long delay before God helps them, they might well ask, well, why should there be any delay at all? God's motives may be different from those of the unjust judge, but it seems as if his behaviour is much the same. And this matters because it affects our entire approach to prayer. What we imagine it is for and what we expect it to achieve. Prayer, well prayer is at the heart of Christian worship and it is at the heart of personal devotional practice. But too often we have that unspoken assumption whether we admit it or not, but tucked away at the back of our mind, we have that unspoken assumption that if enough of us pray long enough and hard enough, then God will eventually grant what we ask. And I'm sure we can all think of occasions when we have prayed long and hard and it seems as if our prayers have not been answered. And that disappointment when such prayers do not work is one of the reasons often cited by those who've given up on faith and on church attendance. And more than that, perhaps, it casts doubt on the character of God who seems to become as shallow and fickle as the judge in Jesus' story. But if we go back to the question of the core message of the parable, it's a perhaps possible to find a way through this confusion. As always with the Gospels, context is crucial. And we have to remind ourselves that each story has at least two intended audiences. The story has its first audience as those to whom, who were there when Jesus spoke to them. 
They were the first audience for that story. They were there. They heard it. They witnessed it. They saw the or heard the change in tone, the pauses that were there. You know how it is when you actually listen to someone as opposed to listening to someone else telling you what someone said. So there is that group and then there is the group for whom the evangelist, for whom Luke wrote this gospel because he recorded it many decades later. The gospel of Luke was probably written some 70 years after the birth of Jesus. And it's worth thinking too that Luke was a Gentile. He was not a Jew, he was an outsider. And the audience for whom he was writing was also primarily a Gentile audience. So that is the group for whom it was written and when it was written. But maybe, and this is pure speculation, maybe the story started with a simpler message, more akin to, remember the passage, ask and you will receive? Or the other passage, if you, being evil, know how to give good things to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Maybe that's how this started out, with a simple message giving us and giving the hearers and the absolute reassurance that God is there, that God is here for us. And maybe this message shifted as time passed, because we all know how messages shift over the years and not necessarily over many years. Think of the story that you hear direct from someone at Paisley Cross. Think of what it's morphed to by the time it gets up to Glenburn or out to the east end of the town or the west end. It will have changed. And remember too, that the people for whom this was written, the early Christians, the early Christians didn't have it easy. They were having to grapple with the realities of life under Roman persecution. For they lived in an occupied country and that can never be easy. Living in an occupied country can never be easy. And they were hoping and praying with all their hearts and minds and souls. They were hoping and praying that Jesus would return again in their lifetime. They prayed for the coming of Christ's kingdom. For when Christ's kingdom comes, then justice will be established once and for all. And still they prayed and still their country was occupied. So Luke's opening statement about the purpose of this parable to encourage people to go on praying and not to become disheartened would fit much more with the telling to these disheartened people. These people who have lived through a foreign power occupying their country, a foreign power setting the laws and the rules and the regulations and the taxes. So when Luke writes this, he is reassuring his audience that their prayers will be answered, that persistent prayer pays off and their faithfulness will be rewarded. That's what he's promising and that's what we still believe, that Jesus will come again. But then, right at the end, there is, if the if you like, this twist in the tale, which maybe reveals something of Luke's own uncertainties and questions. The twist when he slips in that final question. And yet, 
when the Son of Man comes, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? And for me, that was the sentence that spoke most loudly when I read this passage. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? The first part of that sentence is reassuring. Because Luke is saying that Jesus will come again. But he's asking of his audience, then and now, when Jesus comes again, will he find faith on earth? It's as if Luke has slipped this in right at the end. In the same way as somebody's about to leave the doctor's surgery, the hand is on the door handle and they turn and they say, oh doctor, by the way, and this is really what brought them to the doctor, the real question. So maybe this is the real question in this part of Luke's story. Will the Son of Man find faith on earth when he comes? The simple message of Jesus is one that has to be grappled with by each generation of believers in turn. And great courage and honesty is required if it's to become a source of genuine hope and encouragement in rapidly changing times. Today, yes, today we're still waiting for Jesus to return. We try to live a faithful life and we look around at this world. We look around at the world in which we live. For we live in rapidly changing times. On Friday, I left writing this to go down and have lunch. And while listening to the news, learned that the Chancellor had been sacked. We live in a rapidly changing world. Times changing with a great deal of uncertainty. Uncertainty about climate change, about economic stability, about world peace. As Christians, we have certainty in our lives. We have our faith in Jesus Christ and we believe that he will come again. But the question is, when he comes, will he find faith on earth? Where will faith be found? Not in the rights-denying, scarcity-mongering policies of our governments. Where will faith be found? Not in the strategy-driven, rule-keeping efforts of our institutions. Where will faith be found? Not in the desperate, programme-centric flailing of our churches. Where will faith be found? Where will faith be found? In the acts of everyday people who see and respond to an opportunity to make a difference in their neighbourhood. Those who create beauty by eschewing what is deemed right and proper, choosing instead to take risks, to make music, to dance, to respond to the rhythm that is all around attuned to the rhythm of God, our senses are awakened to the gifts and the needs of our neighbour and there will faith be found. If the Son of Man is to find faith on earth when he comes, then we have to hold before God in prayer all our concerns for this world. It may seem at times as if our prayers are going unanswered, but they are not unheard. 
and they will be answered. So let's pray. In a world that seeks easy answers, Lord, in a time when slogans win hearts and minds, may we see beyond trivialities, sound bites, and get to what really matters. In a time when it is so easy to be distracted by so-called reality TV, by social media, by influencers peddling themselves, by lies that stoke our preconceptions, may we be more perceptive. In a society where justice seems to be one rule for some, no rules for others, where the powerful hold the lives of many within their fickle and selfish grasp, may we be persistent in our challenge, refusing to bow the knee to those who do not earn respect and persevering in our quest for true justice. God of justice and patience, whose ways are beyond our ways, whose time is measured very differently to our own passing of time, listen to our demands for justice. For we, like the widow in your son's parable, will not give up before we see justice. Remind us that the struggle for justice, for dignity, for equality is never easy and neither is any gain guaranteed to last. Help us to see clearly, to remain perceptive, to persist and to persevere and to never lose heart as we love you with all our hearts and love our neighbours as we love ourselves. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We continue in our worship by singing hymn number 556. I need thee every hour, every hour I need thee. Hymn 556.
coming here and expecting to be fed. But this table of the Lord, and he invites all who love him to sit with him and share in the meal together. Well, surely they can't sit there. They're too close to the front, and they're not normally here every Sunday. They need to move further back. Jesus told us not to worry about where people sit. That's not important. The most important thing is that we join together and celebrate this meal together. So as we get ready to share this meal together, let's stand to sing that great communion hymn, hymn number 19, Ye Gates Lift Up Your Heads On High. Not doing this right at all. 
Jesus told us that everyone is welcome here. It doesn't matter who we are or what we understand. It simply matters that we love Jesus and want to learn to love him more. But we still need to do it properly, in the right way, with the right people. And we are. We are doing it together and God is with us. That is the right way. And we are all the right people to be here. Why? Because God invites us, you, me and everybody here. Let us all join in the meal together. We are all welcome. We sing of this in our communion hymn. It's hymn number 685. For everyone born a place at the table. Hymn 685.
in the Bible, there are lots of letters that the disciples wrote to churches to help them to be better churches. In one letter to the church in Corinth, Paul tells them about this very special meal that we are about to share. He tells them why we should be sharing bread and wine together. Paul told the church that what he said to them about communion, he said, because Jesus told his disciples that it was important to remember. Do you remember the story of Jesus sitting at his final meal with his disciples? And Jesus knew that terrible things were going to happen to him and that the Roman government wanted to hurt him. But the disciples did not think that anything was wrong. Even though Jesus knew that things were looking bleak for him, he still took time to share a meal with his friends. During the meal, he took a piece of bread and said a prayer, asking God to bless it. And he told his friends that the bread was like his body. Jesus knew that his body would be beaten and broken to help them. The disciples didn't understand but Jesus told them that they had to eat the bread to help remember him. Then, when the meal was coming to an end, Jesus took a goblet of wine. He spoke to his disciples again. And this time, he said that the wine and the goblet would help them to remember Jesus and the relationship that God wanted to have with everyone. So Jesus told his disciples to drink the wine to help remember him. So, when we gather, and all of us here gather, as a church family around this table, we do the same as Jesus did. We eat the bread and we drink the wine to remember Jesus' life, death, resurrection and example. And everyone is welcome to join us in the meal because it is God who invites us. It is God who invites us all and he loves us all. So, just as Jesus did, let us pray and ask God to bless the bread and the wine. Let's pray. Lord God, we gather as a family around this table and offer our thanks to you. We offer thanks for our church and for those who help us, for those who inspire us, for those who welcome us, for those who show us you, our God. Thank you, God, for the love you show us, for the example you give us in Jesus, an example of how we should live, love, and show a welcome to everyone. As we offer you our thanks for all that you have given us, we pause to remember all those for whom thanksgiving is hard to offer. We pray for those who struggle today. We pray for those who are ill. We pray for those who have lost loved ones. And as we pray for those who are bereaved, we give you thanks for all who have gone before us and who are at rest with you. We pray for those who are hungry or have no home. We pray for those who need our emergency services. 
We pray for those who live in violent places. We pray for those who work for peace. So Lord, as we gather a family united in your love, bless the gifts that you have given to us, gifts of bread and wine, which remind us of your love. Send your spirit to bless them and to bless us so that we can remember Jesus and all that he challenges us to be. In Jesus' name we offer our prayers. Amen. In the same way that Jesus took the bread and said, this is my body broken for you, let us take this bread and break it to remind us of the love that God has for us all. So let us take the bread together to remember the love that God has for each and every one of us. Jesus also took the cup of wine and said, This cup is like my blood, which is shed for all. So let us take the cup and drink it, to remember that God welcomes us all to his family. Let us take the wine. Jesus spoke to his friends three days after he had died and they didn't believe it was him. He had to show them his wounds, offer peace be with you and then the disciples knew it was him. Let us share a sign of peace, love and welcome with one another. We've signed the peace in the past and feel free to sign or if you wish to do what you wish but peace be with you. Peace be with you. And now, having shared the peace in whatever way we chose, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for all that you have given us today. Help us to remember that it does not matter who we are or what we do, we are all loved by you. Thank you for sharing the bread and wine with us and help us to remember that through them we can remember you and share you with people we know. Help us to live as Jesus lived and offer love to people, a welcome to all 
and share you with everyone whom we meet. All this we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our risen Lord and Saviour. <coughs> Amen. We close this morning's service of worship by singing hymn 680. You are called to tell the story. Hymn number 680. demanding justice. Pray always and do not lose heart. And the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit rest and remain with each one of you and all those whom you love this day and forevermore.